The launch pad will begin in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Episode two. Episode two, fellas. Episode two. We made it. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely we definitely made it because uh episode one was crazy. Episode one was crazy. So I enjoyed that a lot. Um so we're we're back for another edition. Um and today we're finally going to announce our uh podcast uh name and I'm excited for that. Um so I'm just going to to see what what we have going on um as far as as far as the name. I know Thomas Thomas is very excited about the factory, right? Um, <laughs> yes, sir. um I'm I'm and it's you know what it's funny because I'm you know I'm excited about the launch pad, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um and Dwight, which one you're excited about? You know, man, to be honest, I like all of them. Like, <laughs> I know that sounds dumb, but I also think maybe that maybe I'm too old to uh, to have a cool opinion at this point. But I, I think Launchpad is cool. I think the factory, you know, I still have the same opinion on the factory. It reminds me of R. Kelly. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> but you know, he had them hits. But yeah, that's the uh, you know, it's gonna be. I'm gonna I'm gonna let the younger people decide on this part. <laughs> he goes, man. He goes, man. All right. So this is this is what I'm gonna ask Thomas. Um, let's let's compromise here. Let's compromise. So I I love the launch pad. Mm-hmm. I I. I genuinely love the launch pad we can do so much y'all should argue debate it that's a close second that's a close second for me like it's like 1a and 1b for me like (laughs) i'm I'm gonna tell you what i'm gonna tell you why wait what's 1b wait what's 1b wait so so you know i came up with the factory and i was like yo like that it just sticks in my head but the launch pad is is dope too and i'm like yo because it's like like the spawning point it's like the the point of creation or whatever it's like where stuff can launch like it's 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 beautiful like both of them they're like close or whatever uh but just for the purposes of what we what we were talking about yesterday or whatever I was like ooh the factory and then we could have a segment of the bathroom break <laughs> and that's and that's what I want to get to that's what I want to get to so <laughs> so let's let's have a compromise here. So I I propose we call our show the launch pad. Uh-huh. And have the bathroom break as one of the most one of the pivotal segments of the show because yeah. that would be dope. Like I'm thinking of so many 
like marketing schemes for like the launch pad as far as like logo, as far as um kind of like quote unquote brand uh yeah, yeah. management, you know, stuff like that. So I, I propose that compromise. And actually actually uh the factory uh actually is taken uh, by a couple of by a couple of different podcasts already. So uh, so you know, like I said, it's either one for me. Like I just, it's it could go either way for me. I, I'm I'm not even opposed to to the launch pad either. All right, cool, cool. So and, and I, yeah, I know that um, I know that like the like the launch pad is, is definitely a uh, it's not too common of a of a show title, but I'm I'm sure it's common enough. Um, just like just like all our other titles um so i i really i really enjoy the the thought of having a launch pad as a title and then you know having that that bathroom break as a as a segment cuz <laughs> like it's it's funny that we could go through life and then you know we have that bathroom break segment where it's one of those things that make you go Hmm. So I got an idea for the bathroom break segment. Yeah, because you're gonna lead it. <laughs> <laughs> That's your baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I got I got an idea for that, man. I don't know if you hey. want me to talk about it now because we're coming up with a name, but later I want to talk about it for sure. Hey, you named that baby, so it's yours. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I'm super excited about that now. <laughs> So, Launchpad then, right? Yeah, Launchpad. It's Launchpad. Welcome to the official show. Uh, 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 uh. Titled The Launchpad. The Launchpad. We need an air horn button or something. Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Some t shirts out. (laughs) Oh, you think it merch? Okay. Mer- merch coming soon. Merch coming soon. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. That'll be great. All right, cool. So uh today uh we have a, a, a great episode. Uh we we wanted to talk about something um that of course was a phenomenon everywhere while we're in quarantine, and that is the last dance. Yes, sir. Uh, the documentary about the uh, 98 Bulls, who the, of course, uh, star uh, is Michael Jordan. So we're just going to kind of give our, you know, summaries on episodes one through 10, um, how we felt about the doc, um, what perspective we have of, of, of course, Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, you know, things that we didn't know um, at that particular time um, to what we know now after seeing the doc and um, just just having some fun with it. So uh, I'm never going to go first. Um, So I'm going to lead this off. Why can't you go first ever? Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, I just I just threw that out there. I just threw it out there. Go first, I would, bro. I would like hey. to hear. I would like to hear how you 
so how old were you in 98? I think let's start with how old were you when Michael Jordan was in that 98 season or in, in the first year he won, like, you know, cause he won three and then he went away and then he won three. How old were you around that time? Can you talk about your life during that time or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. So um, at that time, when Jordan and the Bulls were just basically a, a phenomenon and almost like the Beatles, um, I was extremely young, especially when he won his first one. Uh, so I was born in 88, and God, I was man. born in the Jeez. era of the golden age hip-hop, um, basically the 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 essence of of where hip hop all began um and I was born in the Bronx so bo- being born in the Bronx um the Knicks were very prominent at, at that time so I have headaches about the Bulls uh, <laughs> growing up at least from what I from what I can can remember um because I of course I was, I'm a big Knicks fan um so that you, you know, got headaches with the Bulls and Indiana. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. for sure. So, um, growing up, just you know, it, not not even um, not even just being a Knicks fan, but 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 being a Jordan fan, um, it was you know it, it was a big deal. Uh, you know, it, it was the the commercials that I remember. It was. It's, of course, the sneakers that I remember because everybody, you know, that I knew, you know, they were rocking, they were rocking Jordans, man. Like, that's, that's all I knew. So, you know, when, when the 98 season came along, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 10. Um, and, wait, you know, just. Wait, 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 wait. So in the 98 season, the year, the last year that he won, you were 10. 10 years old, 10 years old. Yep. Actually, and and to be, and to be quite frank, I was nine going on 10 because my birthday isn't until September. In 98? In 98. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a pup. I'm a pup. I don't know why I do this podcast with y'all, man. Every time I do it, I leave feeling older. (laughs) I mean, you don't have to, man. As I long mean, as you don't show it, bro. Yeah, you don't. You don't show your age, bro. Dude, you, you still look like you like thirty five, thirty six, man. Dude, I was out of college. Okay. I mean, out of college. <laughs> so, just so you're aware of time frames. Oh man. You can give us. You can give us a. So my relationship to Michael Jordan is going to be totally different than yours. Totally different than yours. Right. Right. I didn't even think about that part of it. So you you were ten when he was winning. So you only know him as a winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So but you can give us a deeper perspective, though. So as a so as Not a deep different, yeah. So so as a teenager and in getting into um, he was already retired when you were a teenager. Yeah, of course. Right. And I mean, well, he was with the Wizards in 03 and I was what I was going into. I was going into high school. So Mm -hmm. um, going back to the archives, I had to learn, you know, those seven years that he that he wasn't winning. You know, I had to had to kind of understand that. 
you know, so. Um, I was at them games. I lived in D.C. right down the street. I lived at 16 in D Southeast. So I was 16 blocks from the center of D.C. And I used to go to those games all the time. I was real close friends with a girl who sold tickets. And so if they didn't sell out, which they never sold out, I was on the fourth row right in front of the cheerleader section. I don't know how I got that seat. That was lucky, though, because I met all of them and I was single. But um, <laughs> I sat right I sat right there and watched those games, and they were horrible. They were horrible, and it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. I, I watched him get beat up so bad. <laughs> so bad. So – I'm as 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 we talked about last time. I'm super proud to be from North Carolina, inside and out. Um, my I grew up in the Raleigh Durham area. My mom worked at Chapel in Chapel Hill, so it was the only high school in Chapel Hill. So we have close ties to Chapel Hill. And then my neighbor growing up, I was in Durham, was Coach K. So I had. I was close to both sides. Um, like I got my haircut at the same place, Grant, Antonio Lang, uh, all those guys got their haircut. So I knew them from being in the barbershop. We would take them home because they didn't have cars at Duke. Um, my godbrother, um, his name is J.R. Reed. He was at Carolina. So we had access to the team. They would come to our house and have dinner because they were college kids. You know what I mean? Everybody yeah. – forgets they were broke college kids right uh king rice rick fox uh scott uh what was scott's last name i forgot scott's last name but he was on the bulls team that won too and scott you know, Williams. yes and this was they used to come to my house and we would scream and yell at coach k's house like they would i mean it was they, <laughs> they came to our house all the time so i used to try to have people over when I knew they were coming, you know what I'm saying? And when uh, JR got in trouble for an NCAA violation for having a boosters BMW, it wasn't a boosters BMW. It was my mom's and his dad and my dad pledged Kappa together. So we knew them for forever. So I've been been to Dean Smith's house for dinner a bunch of times with the team. I played basketball with the Duke players. Like I've been around the programs and I will tell you that Michael Jordan is an asshole. Like, straight up asshole. Like, it's ridiculous. I don't have any opposition to that. I've heard stories as well. Dog. So. Oh, my God. He's, <laughs> he's an asshole. So, story time with Dwight. Oh, my God. He's an asshole. So, I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you the, the, the bad story and then I'll tell you the good story because I don't ever want to talk bad about Mike without talking good about his pops because in episode seven they were they went into his dad and that was that had me a little bit emotional versus the rest of it I was you know so because I was close with the program or whatever we had season tickets I knew Dean Smith and and all you know this is when all the assistant coaches who are coaches now um, were there they gave me free, you know, I could go to the basketball tournament, the basketball camp in the summer. And so went to the basketball camp that summer. Um, 
And on the final day, what they do is they have one of the guys who went on and went pro come back and speak to the group about hard work and determination and Mm -hmm. the Carolina program and the Carolina way and what it means to point at somebody when you, uh, you know, pass the ball. Like that wasn't a thing before uh, when I was growing up, it Mm -hmm. became a thing as I got older. And so one of the assistant coaches, his last name starts with a G. I can't remember what it was, um, Coach G. And uh, he was an assistant coach at that time. Under Roy, He was under Roy Williams. He came over to me and he's like, hey, Dwight, listen, what we're going to do is we, you know, Mike doesn't want to do autographs. So what they're going to do is after his talk, you're going to walk up, you know, say, you know, thank you for coming in we appreciate it he's going to give you an autographed basketball and then the two of you guys are going to walk out so that he can not have to sign autographs for for you know a thousand kids here Mm -hmm. in the auditorium so i was like okay they were like okay come sit at the front so i'm telling my friends i'm like i'm about to go up to the front you know blah 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 and they're like no you're not like no i am so they moved me to the front he does this talk which you know, it was awesome, I guess. I mean, you know, he's a he was a pretty good speaker back then. They used to write his speeches, I guess. When he finished, instead of doing even the little bit, which was to give me a ball or give a kid a ball, right, and walk out, he turned around and ran. He ran out the auditorium, through the hallway, <laughs> down the down the sidewalk and jumped in his convertible MG and drove off with all those kids and every kid in there, right? Like, think about that. If you're a kid, they thought that was a game, right? So everybody Mm -hmm. followed him. So we're all chasing him. And uh, he didn't wave or nothing. He just jumped in the car and rolled. Damn. Like yo, was it was it that was it that red one? Was no, it that it was red black. convertible. No, it was black. The red one was later when he like he wasn't even famous yet. This was this was before his the summer before his rookie year. Wow. So he wasn't even he wasn't even famous yet. Like nobody really the only thing he had done up until that point was make that shot, right? The shot in the yeah, in 82. Yeah, yeah. He made he made yeah. that shot. And that was it. That was all he had done up until that point. But what, in North Carolina, he, he was famous. You got to remember, in North Carolina, we didn't have a sports team yet. So Duke and Carolina yeah, right, players right. were famous back then. I, mm-hmm. I thought they were. I thought they were rich. I thought they were famous. I didn't even understand the concept of why they were eating at our house. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that was my first story um, in dealing with. And remember, I knew him. Right. Like this isn't a kid that he didn't know. He knew me. Mm -hmm. And he still did all of that running exercise (laughs) for for all those people. And what was dumb about it is they had a plan to get him out. He didn't even have to cause that commotion. Wow. That's crazy. So I was like, man, that dude's a dick. I don't like him. And I said I wasn't going to curse on the show. So we're going to have to like maybe beat that out or something. But. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I'll start. I'll start not cursing next show. I'll, that'll be next. Show. <laughs> so, so this is the last part I'll tell you. This is the last story. So, because I can't, I don't want to talk bad about him because his dad was unbelievable. So, 
for two years before Mike went pro, we had season tickets. And remember back then it was a big deal for him to leave early. Nobody left school early back then. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I had season tickets um, from a lady who was very involved in the program, Miss House. She was my mom's best friend in Chapel Hill. So we had like really good seats right at the front. And we knew, I mean, we were, we knew the program. I mean, we were close and we were involved. And they were recruiting my godbrother to come in 84. I think it was 84. So my seat or my family's, you know, four seats butted up to Michael Jordan's dad's seat, James. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, four seats and then Mike and his, I mean, Mike's dad and his mom, right? And then whoever else was down there. And so yeah. I I liked his dad like his dad was one of those like even as an eight-year-old nine-year-old seven-year-old like his dad was one of those people that you wanted to be around like I couldn't wait to go to the games not well I liked the nachos at the Dean Dome and I liked Mr. Jordan like those were my two favorite things Mm -hmm. about going to all the games so he would after the games he would put me on his shoulders walk me down to the locker room and I would buy my parents would buy me a bumper sticker for ten dollars or whatever it was, and all of the players mm-hmm. would sign the bumper sticker. Now Mike, okay. now Mike didn't always sign the bumper sticker, but everybody else always signed the bumper sticker, and it became yeah. it got to be a tradition through him his dad taking me so that when Jr. was there, I still went back and everybody would sign the bumper sticker. So for every home game. I had a bumper sticker on my door at home that had all the player signatures all the way down the door. My door was covered. Yeah, yeah. So in episode seven, when they talked about how he would grab a kid and take take him down, like that kind of started at the Dean Dome with me. He would take me in to the locker room. And then as he got pro in Chicago, he would take random kids but I was the random kid in Chapel Hill that, that started that with him and his dad. And his dad was, man, like I honestly legit cried when his dad got shot, man. That was the worst. I mean, he was such a nice guy, man. You you just don't meet many people like that. It was It was almost like he didn't even want the fame. He didn't want the money. He just wanted to hang out with anybody all the time. Like if you walked up and you were like, Mr. Jordan, so proud of your son i'm a huge fan like he would be beaming and excited mm-hmm. but not like irritated he'd just be like man that's so great like you know he was a cool cool and maybe it was because i was young too you know i was eight mm-hmm. but he was awesome man so you know that was the one part about the show that i liked was that they they did highlight how how great his dad was man because his dad impacted everybody yeah, and that's the that's the vibe that I got, you know, from from the from the actual uh, documentary. Um, so, my perspective on it, of course, you know, we we've, we've already talked about it, and it's definitely um, from an almost um, mystique idol type perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, because once again, I grew up in that era where he was like the biggest thing since sliced bread Mm -hmm. and 
Um, my thing was, see, I am a basketball purist. So, of course, you know, I, I loved MJ, but I'm also a New Yorker at that. So I hated him at the same time because they will always eliminate the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was an era where like we always saw um we always saw Chicago. Mm-hmm. And for for me, like Jordan the player for me was just like out of this world. So um just going back through the episodes, um I I enjoyed, you know, the Scottie Pippen um episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, under yeah, trying was- to, you know, you didn't know you didn't know a lot about Scottie, but I didn't know he started off as a team manager. Like mm-hmm. did not know that. And I didn't know that mm-hmm. he sprung up from six one mm-hmm. to like six seven. Yeah. You know, so I didn't I didn't know any of that. So, you know. I mean, it was. I didn't know they jacked great. him for his contract great. too. I didn't know they did that either. Yeah, yeah, man. did not know that either. Man, that that was that was a point of controversy for me because, like, you know, I I understand, you know, uh, Mike's point, and he was like, you know what, you know, at at the end of the day, it's it's about the game and and you know, you, you want to build that that team chemistry and camaraderie and stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? Pip had to do what he thought was best for him. Um, you know, and, and my cousin played in the NFL for, for you know, about 15, 16 years. And one thing he told me was, he said, you know, it's kind of like a cardinal rule. You know, players don't comment on other players' contracts. And, you know, so, you know, you understand it's a business. And so, you know, if a player is, like, holding out, or whatever, for the most part, like yo, like you know, hey, you let you let that man handle his business or again, whatever. And so I think this is the asshole part of Michael Jordan because all he had to do was tell them to renegotiate Pippen's contract, and they would have. So if you're gonna comment That's on true. that now That's about true. what he was doing, you should have helped out in the beginning, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's because this guy basically was like, he wasn't even like what. The third or the fourth, like uh, highest paid fifth, player on the, the roster. Fifth highest. Yes, yes, yes. So, like, it, I it, and they knew it. First off, you know, Jerry Krause is is a is a butthole for 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 a, a general manager. I, I'm just gonna say it. He knew how to assemble talent, but oh, he was a douche too. I could I, I couldn't I, I couldn't play for him. I couldn't play for well, him. Well, now, now and, and, they have and, choices. Now you can have a choice. Back then, once you signed that, you were locked into that contract. They could, yeah, you were locked into right, that contract. They couldn't right, do anything. Right, but if right. Mike has an opinion, there are certain things that showed he was an asshole to me, and that was one of them. If you're going to say he shouldn't have done the surgery in the middle of the season, then you should have the summer before helped renegotiate his contract because you didn't right. do anything without him your whole career. Right, right. But but on the flip side of that, there was also, you know, some other factors playing into that too because they had already told Phil that that was his last season. And so, you know, in Scotty's mind, he's already looking to, you know, for another payday. So Scotty is, you know, 
from what I got from the documentary, Scotty's also like, you know what, you know, come hella high water, you know, it's about me. And, you know, I'm looking for this payday that I'm going to get at the end of the season anyway. Well, he should have. I mean, so was that, wasn't he playing the first three championships for $17 million for the whole time? And then Mike was making 35 a year? Yep. Yep. So the last two years, um, Mike made 30, I think it was 30 and maybe 30 and 32. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. and and that that was that was his last two years playing with the bulls now mm-hmm. from what i've from what i've looked what i've looked up his contract was um i think by by year maybe i think the highest he made was probably two and a half three mil mm-hmm. um, but the final two seasons it was definitely like 30 and like 32 yeah or mm-hmm. 32 and a half nobody was like making that. money like that before <laughs> right no right no nobody. Yeah, none of them none of them were making money like that before and then jordan pops up with this the two basically two year 60 million dollar deal yeah you know his yep. last two years um so because you, you got you got to remember man back in the 80s like yo nobody was even making a million right like, magic signed that extension with the lakers for 25 years for 25 million dollars so basically right. like a million dollars per year bro that's big time money back then and he's living in la so think about Fact. so that's like think about 30,000 a year <laughs> basically yeah. so um and and that and that's one thing that intrigued me to another story uh within the doc that intrigued me was the steve kerr story first and foremost never in a million years I would think that Steve Kerr's dad <laughs> first name is Malcolm. Yeah. <laughs> I'ma just be I'ma just be straight up. I'ma keep it. I'ma keep it. No fuck. doubt. No doubt. His name, oh, man. his name was Malcolm. And, Malcolm. and rest in rest in peace to Steve Kerr's dad because that was yeah. a that was, that was just a surprise, a, yeah. A, a, that was a tragic. That was a tragic um, story, and the I can I can see you know why Steve Kerr is so resilient, and mm-hmm. you know he's so strong. Um, so mm-hmm. so big ups to to Steve Kerr, and big ups to his mom. Oh my yeah. goodness, she's yeah. just, she's the sweetest person. Um, just yeah. by just by looking at you know the doc and and hearing you know other uh, people's. Um, you know stories about about uh miss mrs kerr um so i just i thought that story was 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 very very uh very very uh thought provoking from a perspective of you know like steve kerr could have had a different life right mm-hmm. he could have um, been a banker for but, sure yeah like and for that to happen, you know, that that will mess you up. And I'm you know, I was just um I was just amazed, you know, at that story. And you know, of course, uh we we can't go without talking about Dennis Rodman. Like yeah, yeah. The Vegas yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was Yo listeners, what's up? Like the intro music to our show? 
I know you're wondering like, dang, who is that? Well, that's none other than the bro, Chemo. That's K-H-E-M-O. In a single face off of his 2017 album, The Art of Rap 2, which is on Apple Music, iTunes, and other streaming services. So, go ahead and check him out because he's like that. Now back to the show. That was crazy. And now um, it, it's all, it all comes together because like when they started uh, promoting the dot and everybody's like, well, why is Carmen Electron? Like I was a kid, but I knew then that Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electro was a thing. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, like I, I was a kid, but I knew that. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know like the details on like I didn't know they were married. I I'm not even gonna say him. I, so I, I didn't know they were married. I read his book. He was so he was really interesting to me because back then players didn't go from Detroit to Chicago and nobody really in the NBA had tattoos or shit. Most of them cats didn't even have beards. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. when Rodman came and he had tattoos. I was fascinated and my dad got me his book and uh, I didn't, I'll tell you this. I didn't know he was bisexual. Like I thought he dressed up as a girl and did the wedding thing as a publicity stunt. That bisexual thing, that was, I could see it now as an adult, <laughs> as an adult, but mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't thinking about anybody being bisexual back then, let alone Dennis Rodman, you know what I'm saying? But he had a real tough yeah, upbringing yeah. too. His upbringing was pretty, I mean, he shot up in height. Yeah. He he was overlooked. He he yeah, you know, he came yeah. from a real tough area. I I could see him partying like that. I mean, I could see all, all yeah. of us doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I, and I, I think I think that also goes to um the leadership structure that Dennis had in Detroit and with Chicago, right. um, you know, you you got Chuck Daly, you know, who's a legendary coach or whatever. And from, from all accounts, you know, from watching the bad boys documentaries and, you know, all these different things, Chuck Daly was no pushover. Like right. he was like, you know, you're going to toe the line or whatever. Um, Phil was a little bit more kind of like hands off, like, Dennis, you know, I'm gonna uh let you do you know, I'm gonna connect with you on a whole nother level because yeah. a part of the documentary that they talked about was when uh Phil said that Dennis walked in his office and he had like some uh he had some artifacts from like the Navajo people or whatever, uh the Indian people, and Phil was like, Yeah, I have some too. And uh, and so they kind of connected on that level, and Phil was more kind of like a a spiritual like guru for him to kind of you know get him to think you know more you know spiritually and all this other stuff or whatever so two totally different approaches but both of them were effective because it kind of kept Dennis you know for the most part for the most because I mean Dennis is going to do what he wants to do but you know he was still able to be successful you know uh under those two types of leadership um versus when he was with the Spurs when he came with the Magic I mean, I'm sorry, with the Lakers or whatever, you know, he was just kind of, you know, uh, out there at that point. But, um, and and I, I thought another part that was really good was uh, the part that they did about Gus 
uh, Jordan's uh, security guy or whatever, and uh, how, you know, after his dad passed or whatever, you know, Gus kind of became kind of like that father figure to him. And, uh, you know, he, he just kind of, you know, kept him, you know, kind of kept him in a, in alignment a little bit. Um, and then when Gus came down with cancer or whatever, and he still, you know, uh, was trying to be there for him and Mike was there for him and the family and supported him and stuff. Uh, I, I thought that was an interesting piece too, because it seemed like, you know, he kind of stepped in right in the nick of time, you know, um, you know, when Mike was going through all those transitions and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's interesting that, you know, uh, the importance of the father figure role uh, was kind of highlighted, you know, twice uh, in, in, in that documentary. It, it was, it was subtle, um, but it was, it was, you know, that, it was something that I picked up on. Yeah. I, um, I thought about something Fred says in church, like every Sunday, which is the ram in the bush. That, that was yeah. what yeah. it seemed like every every player had somebody that stepped in and helped them, you know, in a situation where we, you know, as the general public believe, like, hey, this person has it all together. They have everything. There was still somebody mm-hmm. in their life that kind of watched over them and mentored them. And it made me think of, you know, Fred and that ram in the bush and, you know, who I, I wonder sometimes, like, do you guys have mentors that you guys deal with on a, on a regular basis in your personal lives that, that do the same thing? Because, you know, I, I'm realizing that in business, I don't have, you know, work, I don't have really any mentor mentors, right? So I'm, I'm looking for them. Mm-hmm. But in my personal life, man, I have a bunch. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you guys mentor other kids, you know, my own included, <laughs> right? So, right, right? So I wonder, do you guys have mentors and people that y'all talk to that would be like that too? Yeah, um, I, I definitely have uh, have mentors. Uh, one one of them, so I, I have I have one on a basketball and on a personal level, and um, his name is uh, Coach Josh Staley. He's been my mentor since probably um, a sophomore in high school. Um, You know, he's been someone who I can, you know, I can just go to if I'm just feeling, you know, any any type of way in any situation. Um, He's he's always there because I know he's going to just tell me the straight up truth. and of course, I, I resonate to him on a basketball level. One thing that I did wish um, back in the day was I, I actually wish he was my coach. Um, it's funny because he was my wife's uh, head coach um, because he coached the varsity uh, girls um, back at back at our high school. Um, but, you know, back when me and, and Candace were, you know, we were doing the, the high school love, um, she told me, popcorn you know, love. just one day. Yeah, it's that pop. Yeah, that popcorn <laughs> love, right? Um, she told, she, you know, she called. She calls me up, and she says, um, "Hey, you know, come with me to my workout. Um, you know, coach is working us out." And I'm like, "Yeah, uh, okay, okay, I'll come through for sure, and I, I'll, I'll work out as well." And that workout just, just then 
I've never seen that before because like the coaches that I was under, you know, they really didn't do that. So, you know, he taught me work ethic. He taught me um, perseverance. Um, he taught me uh, consistency. And, you know, I love him to this day um, because, you know, I don't think I would be where I am on on a level of basketball mentorship if it wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and another guy um, is probably uh, – you know, a, a guy, of course, um, who is uh, forever going to be a mentor of mine. Um, and it's my grandfather um, who passed away when I was a junior in college. Um, he was basically the only father figure um, that I had because I didn't grow up with my father. So, Oh, you didn't? Um, I, I didn't. I didn't. So... Mm-hmm. Did he leave um, when you were young? So it's a it's a crazy story. Um, so <laughs> is that going to be an episode? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. Gonna be an episode. Um, I, I honestly, I just honestly didn't. I didn't know. Um, like, so the the situation is crazy. I just, I know. Just one day, my mom asked me, "Do I want to move to South Carolina?" and as a kid, I'm like, yeah, why not? And like, we moved to South Carolina and just suddenly I'm like, okay, it's time to go back to New York. And my mom is like, nah, you're not going back. You're, you're staying with your, your grandparents. And like, that was, that was it. Now, did your mom stay with you in South Carolina? So she, she went back for a year. Um, I moved to South Carolina in 95 and then she moved in 96. Okay. So, um, so in between that, of course, you know, you know how moms are sometimes, you know, crazy situation. She don't want, you know, the kids to, to know or have an idea of what's going on. Um, and that was, that's, that was that situation. Wow. So, um, but you know, my grandfather, like that's, you know, that's the person who stepped up and, and I always look up to, and I think I am, um, I am him in a sense because like he was so laid back, so chill and, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, he's, and he's one of those guys where, you know, he's in a room Mm -hmm. and he lights everyone up. So, you know, that, that will be another, uh, mentor of mine. Um, so those are good. That, that, yeah, that, that resonates, that resonates a lot in, in reference to the last dance because, you know, they, they, it, and it was good that they did that. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Too. So what about you guys? Thomas? Well, uh, well, for me, man, I, I've, I've got a couple of mentors, man. I've got, uh, you know, obviously my pops, you know, you all have heard me talk about him and, you know, um, my relationship with him. And funny thing is, man, like, I'm, I guess I'm at that, that age now where I can remember everything that he tell that he used to tell me, you know, like from, uh, you know, 
you know, when you go to do something, you know, give us your best or whatever. That's like you signing your name to it, saying like, hey, I did this. And the funny thing is, it's like I'll be at work and I'll be like frustrated and I'm just like over it, you know, an assignment or whatever. And I'm just like, yo, it's whatever at this point. And like that'll come back to my head. And I'm just like, yo, mm-hmm. it's like I'm signing my name to this. So let me just go ahead and give, you know, give my best effort on this or whatever. Um, you know, Pastor Fred has has been like a, a, a great mentor, um, you know, since I met him or whatever, you know, and not just, you know, not just, as, you know, a spiritual mentor, but, you know, just in life and, you know, just talking about, you know, work ethic and, um, you know, he's been through a lot or whatever. He shared some personal stories with me or whatever. It's kind of, you know, kind of got me to understand things from a, from a, um, you know, from a from a, a good perspective, you know, about family life and and different things of that nature. Um, you know, I I've got a few in the legal field. Um, you know, I've, I've you know Mike Kelly, uh, he's a prominent attorney in in, in Columbia. Um, he he's been great. He was very instrumental in helping me get into law school, helping me navigate. You know, uh, getting through my classes and stuff and. Um, you know, I've, you know, even uh, Antonio George, you know, I talked to him from time to time, you know, just getting perspective on business and, you know, what can you do to, you know, enhance, you know, your own personal wealth. So you're setting yourself up for your family and that dude different brilliant. things like that. He's brilliant. He, he, he's awesome, man. He, yeah. he oh, is, yeah, he is sure. awesome. Yeah. Man. Like, he is, you know, and I know, you know, I I haven't talked to him, you know, um, in a couple of weeks or whatever, but you know, he, he's been instrumental too. Um, he and I connected over 13th man or whatever. And yeah. like, you know, he started telling me some stuff about, you know, when he played in the NFL, you know, and different yeah. things like that. And I'm just like, yo, this, this dude has seen it all. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's experienced a lot. Like he has a wealth of knowledge, man. And so I, I'm, I'm all of, I'm all for the approach that, you know what you learn, especially, at my age, you know, I, I'm learning to master the art of listening. So, I, you know, it, I, I watch people, and if I see that, you know, they've got wisdom, knowledge, you know, in, in you know certain areas or whatever, you know, I take the Kobe approach again. I don't mind asking questions or whatever. You know, I'm curious or whatever. So I want to see what makes your brain tick. I want to see, you know, how did you come to that decision? What, you know, what mistakes did you make? So if I choose to go in a similar route, you know, I can avoid those or whatever. It, for the most part, man, I found out that, you know, people are willing to, you know, to talk to you or whatever. All, all they want to do is see, you know, if, if, if you're actually serious or whatever. And um, so, it's, it, you know, so I, I've got a lot of different mentors or whatever. Um, it, it's, it, 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 it has helped me out a lot. I, I will say that and it's knowledge that I can pass on, you know, to kids that, you know, that I mentor that, you know, that I, I help coach and, you know, and all that stuff. So. That's what's up, man. Yeah. What about you, Dwight? I, um, I grew up around a lot of older people. Um, and I was kind of rebellious where I tried to fight them mentoring me, to be honest. So I probably didn't ask as many questions as I should have because my dad, my grandfather was like locally famous 
And then my dad seemed like he was, you know, he just knew everybody. So everywhere I went, you know, if I was at Central or if I was at Carolina partying or doing something stupid, there would be an adult that would be like, aren't you that people's boy? You need to settle down. Yeah. And so I, I, I rebelled against it for a long time. But I had a, I had an Uncle Lewis that taught me how to drink, play cards, and talk trash. I had an Uncle D.D. that showed me how to work hard. Uncle Charles that showed me not to do drugs because of watching people go down for that. I mean, I've known Fred since I was, you know, Fred was like my older brother growing up, which was weird because mm-hmm. we didn't live in the same place. You know, he lived in D.C. I lived in Durham. But for some reason, I followed him everywhere. I mean, I'm talking about him being 11 and I would still, you know, I was five. I'd still follow him around wherever he went, which I guess to this mm-hmm. day, that's still taking place. Um, <laughs> you know, lately, um, Antonio George has been my business mentor. Like I talk to him more than I talk to anybody else about what's going on. And I try to keep him close because I never know what kind of nugget he's going to accidentally drop that puts yeah. things in yeah. perspective for me. Um, and I, you know, I had really good friends. Like I seem to have been, I don't, and I don't know how it happened, but it seemed like my circle of friends was not stupid. You know, a lot of people tell stories about all oh, my friends were troublemakers and all of that. Like I didn't have that. Like I had, the, the dudes I grew up with, I had the same friends since I was two years old, so I never had to make new friends, you know, from kindergarten, being in a crib, because my mom was best friends with my best friend's mom. I was put in a crib with a dude that I'm still cool with today. Um, to my first day of college, I met Brian, who's my best friend. And then when I moved to Atlanta, I met my next best friend. And it just seemed that the people I was around had good hearts and had my best interest. And so mm-hmm. I had the amazing ability to feed off of the people around me, not in a competitive way, um, but just in a way where we supported each other. And I had, you know, where most guys don't have the ability to call a friend and say, Hey man, this hurts me that this is happening in the world. And I don't know where to, what to do. I have anxiety. I have like I have friends that I can talk to about that kind of stuff. Like, hey, man, like, I don't know why I've been looking at porn so much, but for some reason or, hey, man, I've been drinking every day, you know, like talk to me about that. Um, and, you know, we, we support each other and say, man, you should probably slow down as we're drinking beer, maybe. You know what I mean? But <laughs> but I've, I've always I learned friendship through the trial and errors with dudes that I'm still cool with today. So making friends for me is difficult. Um, just like making mentors is difficult. Cause if you, you know, I've had this, I just have had the same people around me from day one. It's never changed. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. So, you know, I think that'll be a perfect wrap up um, just to summarize, you know, what we've learned, um, you know, with watching the documentary and uh, I want to quickly segue into one of the newer segments. And uh, this segment will be called The Bathroom Break. And, and Dwight, um, 
since you're throwing out so many good nuggets and stories, uh, why don't you uh, give us uh, one of your bathroom break um, stories that uh, basically wrap <laughs> wrap this up and, and make us laugh? So for all the listeners, I'm just going to put y'all on blast that you guys are giving me a segment to keep me from talking the whole podcast, which I appreciate. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so moving forward in in moving forward in the podcast as we grow uh, we thought Kevin and I were talking uh, and Thomas and what we wanted to do was have a segment that summed up all of us through stupidness so the story today is going to be I had a roommate that was a genius in college his name was Amir and Amir was so smart that he never went to class but made straight A's, 4.0 student. He used to do my work. He used to do everybody's work. He'd tutor you. He had a big heart. He was crazy though, but he had a big heart. And what he did for one solid year was he changed his voicemail to Deep Thoughts by Amir Harper and would say something ridiculous. Every day he would change his voicemail. And so I thought that in the podcast, what we could do is have what's called a bathroom break where one of us or me me in the beginning, but one of us will say something crazy that occurred that week that will take us off into a tangent of comments and, and discussion in, in honor of the crazy roommate that you have in college. Um, <laughs> so I don't, because we thought of this last night, the only thing that happened between then and now is that our power went out last night for the street the neighborhood all the way down and i wanted to ask man like why is it terrifying when all the power goes out like what is it about you can walk around your house in the dark and if you can cut the light on you're not scared right or you're not scared being in the dark but for some reason when all the power's out to your whole neighborhood why does that put you on edge <laughs> that <laughs> that that's <laughs> That's a, a very good question. I mean, me personally, I don't have um, I don't have a problem with the lights being out, but I can't say the same for the people in this house. Right. So, <laughs> right. I mean, you would have thought you would have thought that. I mean, because I made a joke, right, which I shouldn't have. I was like, this is like in us. I'm going to go outside and say because I, I wanted to go outside and explore. Right. Because there had to be a power line down or something. And I have, you know, weapons in the house. It's not like I'm worried about somebody coming in, but my kids were scared to death. I mean, I'm talking <laughs> about these jokers were nervous about the power being out. So I don't know. I just, what is our addiction to the light? You know what I'm saying? Like, why are we nervous about that? Now the I other don't know, man. I, I, think, I think it's just because, you know, like darkness is automatically... Uh, like relative to like scary and you know like you know hey if you tell if you tell the average person that all the power is out not only in their house but on their whole block like yo first thing they're gonna think about is like some horror movie or something yeah yeah <laughs> so then you know it kind of sets the stage and listen and, and i and i've seen it like some people's imaginations get the best of them mm -hmm. like some people legit freak out 
<laughs> yeah. Because it's something it's something that they can't control. And during that time, it's just like you don't know what could happen. Like, you know, and so some people literally go off the ledge with their thinking, like, oh my goodness, like this could happen. I'm just that type. I got flashlights and candles everywhere. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, you're a freak. You got candles everywhere. Not nah, <laughs> <you go. laughs> single stuff. That's nah, that single uh, stuff. Hey. No, I, I'm not trying to romanticize myself like, like you were in the first episode. Man, I'm, I'm about to, <laughs> hey, this, this episode too. <laughs> I'm surprised you ain't already fired up, man. Hey, man, it's still early. It's still early. I got time. <laughs> Listen, well, the only thing that's terrifying in my household when the lights are out, just have one word, Wi-Fi. Yes. That's it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 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 You know, once the once the Wi-Fi is out, it's a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. that's that's the only thing that's terrifying. Um, and especially in today's uh day and age, you know. Mm-hmm. But um <laughs> please look out for uh bathroom break with Dwight every week <laughs> going forward. <laughs> um so this is gonna be good, man. <laughs> with, with, with that being said, um, I think this episode is a wrap, man. Um, once again, like thank the listeners, you know, for for listening um, and joining, and we're definitely going to keep this uh, keep this thing going. Um, so I don't have anything else. Launchpad, um, launchpad. It's the launchpad, people. Yeah. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to shout out to the title, launchpad. It's the launchpad. We'll see y'all back at the pad next week. No doubt. That's awesome. Yes, sir. And I believe that's a wrap. (laughs) Y'all have a good one. Peace out. All right, fellas. All right.